We have a block of standalone episodes. What's going to survive and make it to the tie tie cut? Let's find out as we get into part three of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, episodes 13 through 19. Tyler, Miles, welcome back, gentlemen, as we get into it tonight. We have nothing but standalones for this run of Ghost in the Shell, and I just got a question with that. What's going to make it in the tie tie cut? Tyler, this is going to be some challenging ones. <laughs> uh, before uh, you yeah. answer that, Tyler, okay. I want you to maybe further define what you're mm-hmm. looking for in the now legendary tie tie cut. Like, are you looking for something that specifically mm-hmm. goes into the main arc, the Laughing Man arc of the show? Are you looking for something like if you were going to rewatch the show again? Yeah. Like, obviously, there's an episode you drop. But what, what are you what are you taking into consideration? Because some of these episodes, while mm-hmm. definitely not essential, I, I would argue that almost all of them have at least something that is kind that kind of justifies the episode a little bit. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to make sure people know is that just because something doesn't make the tie tie cut doesn't mean it's not good. Uh, but what it, what what I look for in the tie tie cut is I try to keep things in that I think are essential to understanding the universe um, and are essential to making sure we understand the characters that are in the universe. Uh, episodes that have really that have important character development whether it's from Bato or the Major or whatever the other people's names are. Because <laughs> who cares at this point? I'm, that's sarcasm. I'm grumpy. Saito needs more airtime. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's essentially these are the episodes that I think are fundament, like fundamentally required to watch so that you can take away as much from okay. the series as possible. The things I cut... I think you just, although they might be interesting in some facets, I don't think that they develop the, like, they just don't, characters don't develop in an inherently interesting way. Uh, It doesn't reveal something about the overall universe that is particularly uh, either engaging or interesting to me. Uh, So, and I also, you know, I feel like every anime suffers from fluff. And this Mm -hmm. is, this is getting, this is getting everything down into this tight, packed amount of episodes that i just feel like is just like a a plus quality just knocking them out of the park right at one right after the other uh so that's what i'm kind of i'm kind of looking for also things like you know superb animation and better writing things like that um well obviously areas where there where there weren't budget constraints on the episode <laughs> there's one episode in this series in particular where um uh, you see like uh four there's like five five or six characters in frame and the only one who's like fully drawn is Bato, and the rest are just like these yes. like blocky messes. And I'm like, I, get I this out of here, Ghost I've of the Shell. What is this? Times. Yeah. Um, it, well, that, speaking that's, of, uh, that's still something that's done today in anime. What's interesting though yeah. is that now they go back and reanimate stuff for the Blu-ray releases, mm-hmm. which is just wild that that happens. I, I'm usually, sorry. and it's usually after a show becomes a big success, so they can usually afford 
to do stuff like that. But sometimes they make some design changes and and that so, that makes fans unhappy. And and depending on your style of animation, you can get away with that way easier. Uh, obviously, like like for example, some some comedy anime will have entire skits that are in like a lower like a in like a chibi form or something that is yeah. much easier faster to draw but adds to comedy you know it, it works on both sides there's a lot of ways they can cut corners and cost this way because ghost in the shell is very much embedded in realism which is another thing i'm going to harp on on a few of these episodes <laughs> uh when when we see group shots and multiple people are just obviously half drawn it is it's bothersome, especially when there's information being conveyed that's important, and you expect these people to react to said information, but they don't even look like they exist in reality. <laughs> so that 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 earns you a cut almost immediately because it's it's something that's wow. come up a few times. I've mentioned this a couple times uh, where there'll yeah. be moments that it looked like the animation was skimped, and. Well, uh, think of, speaking of things uh, that's bothersome, let's move on to our first episode, oh, Unequal right. Terrorist, Not Equal, because I'm going to flat out say this would not make any cut of mine. I I think that this episode addresses some things that I've had a problem with, because I've mentioned uh, in, an, in maybe last week that I, 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 I've constantly said that I, I want this show to stop and smell the roses in their cases. Mm-hmm. And the one time they really do it, they do it when they don't need to, because <laughs> so, this episode really drags. Well, so let's talk about this. So this episode starts 16 years ago. Uh, Eiko Tokura, uh, who is the daughter of a cybernetics company CEO uh, and the kind of poster child for, hey, look, it's safe because I put my daughter through it. Cyberization yeah. thing is captured by a terrorist group called the New World Brigade, which is opposed to all cyberization. 16 years go by no idea where this this girl has been until a a a a team of people go to this uh, radiation scrubbing station which is something we can talk about if you want to uh, off the coast and they spot her there uh so they they send an initial team and that team comes up like they they disappear and so section nine is is there to go and and find her. Now it is also important to know that the girl that they see there is exactly as she appeared 16 years ago. So, so I had a problem with the, the opening of this episode. Cause when they're presenting this case, they're all kind of like, yeah, now as a, as I recall, it was a big case that was never solved. Like this was, if it was a big case, it, it doesn't, I don't feel like it would be like, everyone would be like, Oh yeah, that thing, that old chestnut. Like it just—it felt so casual of something that was supposed to be conveyed as a big deal, and well, well I mean, it's, I, it, just, it felt lapsadaisical to me. Yeah, it's it, this one's uh, this one's interesting. I'm gonna guess it does not make the tie tie cut, but I want to talk about sort of my feelings on it. I think that this episode is interesting in some of the things that they do. So you've got it, what looks like an oil rig is not an oil rig. It's actually a radiation scrubbing station from one of the previous world wars probably world war three uh and and they they enter this place via submarine in a way that's really cool and they come up through the bottom of it and then and then surprise yeah this place is populated you go out there and it is covered it's almost like the the market scene in the ghost in the shell movie it's a Mm -hmm. bunch of 
which is also weird because you see a lot of people with cybernetics here, meaning this can't just be where the, the bad guys are. It's got to be a bunch of other stuff that's going on too. And, uh, and so they're just kind of looking around and the Tachikoma's doing stuff and all of that. And then they finally find the, the one of the, the Coast Guard guys and he's freaked out. And then there's this crazy firefight as we find everybody. And there's a ton of these these new world brigade guys and they are just dying all over the place. I, I will say the, the one thing I will give this episode is I do think it was for the most part, beautifully animated. There's an amazing shot when, uh, the, the, uh, Tochikop, <laughs> Tachikoma is pulling up, uh, the major and Togusa kind of up this long, like shaft, and the way it's shot and the way the camera angle is is looking at everything is really, really cool. The animation looks stellar. And the scene you talked about, Drew, when the submarine comes up in inside, it's really fantastic. There's some gorgeously animated sequences in this episode. And that's kind of it for me here. Tyler, before I get into my feelings on this, I have to know what you think of this episode. Uh, well, snicker snack with the cut. I go galumping back. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, this, this just doesn't make it. Boy, this is a, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to contradict myself where I said that just because something gets cut doesn't make it bad. This one's bad. It, uh, no, it is. And it's, it's bad because of how badly it's written. Like they flat out yes. do not answer any of the mysteries they present in the, in the case. Well, and, and they nope. continue to introduce mysteries until the very end. So we've got, yeah. we've got the girl that we find that looks exactly like the girl 16 years ago. And then there's this old woman that's also with her that looks like she's in her seventies or eighties. And we come to find out over the course of this, that the old lady is the girl and the other one is the daughter of her. And yeah. she is the one that is leading the New World Brigade. And it's just... And she's supposed huh? to be, like, the same age as Togusa. Yes. And so... It's, yeah, the, well, they, that, that is the one thing they answer. They answer the fact that the, the girl is not the girl who is kidnapped. It's, it's the daughter. But other than that, they just keep asking questions, and and the characters are asking questions, and this episode just kind of goes, mm, and then ends. It's like, huh? That yeah. was and weird, unless huh? unless unless it comes up later, which I assume it does not. This episode is very unsatisfying outside of the really cool animation and action because there is that. Yeah. And, and oh the yeah, set, I, for and, sure. And the setup for this is really cool. Like you have a really interesting uh, yeah. thing about, uh, you know, is this Stockholm syndrome? Is this, uh, what's the, what was the, is it Patty Hearst? Is that the, the, the heiress who went off to like got kidnapped and then ended up joining a, an organization. Am I getting that right? Uh, We'll look that up. Uh, uh, yes. So it like it's it's all that kind of stuff, and then it all of that is just tossed away. So like the, one of the most interesting things about it is that Section Nine obliterates like fifty people because they're oh, cyberized, right. and and all of these people, other fools, are are not. And it just shows you that people with cybernetics are really powerful. And and you also get to see some people that have older cybernetics on this 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 radiation scrubbing station. But 
Other than that, I'm sorry I sounded really nasally tonight. I'm having a crazy allergy attack today, uh, and uh, there's no way I can fix that in post. So uh, apologies uh, for the rest of this episode. Sounds yeah, it's just the whole episode, <clears throat> to me, like, I agree with Miles. Cool action sequences. There's a part where the New World Brigade is trying to grapple up to where Section 9 is, and the Tachikomas one of the Tachikomas just starts shooting them and it's just fish in a barrel. It's it's literally fish in a barrel. These guys, the new brigade, the new world brigade can't even, they can't even stand against one Tachikoma, let alone a Tachikoma and all of section nine. They're using their own buddies as shields. (laughs) Yeah. It was a really cool thing where they were going up and uh, one of the members dies ahead of the other and he uses it as a body shield to try and get up to them. It was it was really cool, but uh, yeah, they were at like video game levels of like comedic uh, amounts of death compared to the protagonist. It was yeah, I, I, it was I, pretty gross. I still think this episode is worth the watch just to see things, but I don't think this. Yeah. I'm not sure this makes the Drew cut. To be also, honest. I just don't believe that that many guys are following a 16 year old girl. Uh, like. No. Why? Well, I mean, like, but well, that, that, there's, there's there's so much to unpack with that whole yeah. story that we get yeah. nothing about. I mean, nothing. The, this is so this this has to be a cult based on the way that they are throwing their lives away. So for sure. But again, they don't ever talk about it. This is one of those things where if they had two episodes, maybe we would have gotten something out of it. But no, nope. I'm I'm, I'm going to get it. into something like that later in this this episode. But th- it, this also brought me to think about something. You know, when I was thinking about how maybe harsh I'm coming off some of these standalone episodes. If I was well, like I was in college in 2004, and it was 11:30 on a Friday night, and I was watching these, I would probably be vaguely pretty satisfied, even with something like this. Because I'd just be like, you know, eating snacks, drinking a beer, and watching anime with some friends. And in in that aspect, I, I don't think these episodes are necessarily that throwaway. But when we're when you're watching it in a much more modern context, and we're watching it, you know, sequentially, and we're, we're, we're basically we're, we're binging the show, and we've already seen like to closely put together a lot of the arc. These episodes tend to stick out more of a sore thumb than if we had watched it, you know, week to week almost 20 years ago. Uh, that's a, um, that's so, a very, very good point. It is very easy to be more critical when you're watching everything back to back compared directly to other episodes that are better. Yep. I mean, it, it, but again, you know, Tyler also made this, this observation, like with a lot of anime, you have fluff episodes and this happened a lot more 20 years ago. <laughs> These episodes are almost still 20 years a lot. old. But with, like there are whole seasons of fluff of some shows. Well, I mean, but if you look, if you look at you know oh, yeah. one, of, one of my favorite series, Star Trek: The Next Generation, you had twenty four episode ser- seasons. That was the amount of episodes you had per season. So you're probably going to have six or seven really tremendous episodes in there, and you're going to have some okay episodes, and you're going to have some stinkers. And that is true yeah. just when you have yeah. to do that much volume of something. Right you, there, there is no television series alive. That has an entire season of pure gold. It's just well, unless no, no, unless no, no, it's no, like no, television, unless it's, it's a like one a season show. Yeah, a one season show that's like eight episodes. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I, keep in mind, like I I also look at uh, at Gundam. I'm a huge Gundam fan. Another anime. You have fifty episode seasons for those shows for yeah fifteen years, and it was only in 2007 that they dropped that to a 25 episode season. Then. 
So yeah. I think it's time to move on because uh, we're oh, no, exactly. I just about. I just want to point out that like while it may sound like we're being a little harsher because we're looking at it in a in a modern context, I am taking into consideration that if I had watched this in 2004, uh, eaten some snacks with with a buddy at 11:30 at night, I would just be like commenting on stuff in the episode and and probably be like, oh, it was fun. Uh, but uh, equally unsatisfying to me is episode 15, Time of the Machines. We are, Machines. We have, you have skipped episode we're, we're, 14. We're on 14. <laughs> oh, 14, right. 14 got cut so hard, we're not even talking about it. <laughs> That's right. Um, honestly, yes. Um, uh, so, so episode 14, <laughs> this episode, automated capitalism, uh, yen symbol, euro symbol, dollar sign, yes. Uh, uh, this episode gets cut so hard. Which is, again, this is one of those episodes that I like the setup, but they do nothing to pay it off. And they introduce and they introduce mysteries at the very end that are never ever paid off or paid attention to again. Okay, so, I was gonna ask you that because so, that was the most interesting part is the stinger at the end. Well let's let's get into it. So so there is a uh, Section nine breaks up a bunch of thieves that are going to to rob a, a financial institution. And then shortly after that, they are informed that uh, they believe that there was going to be an assassination attempt by Chinese socialists, uh, specifically a, uh, a, a what's her name? Cash Eye, I think is what she calls herself. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that. But uh <laughs> because yeah, again kind of narrating like a noir story and i'm like oh man this is gonna be cool yeah and, and then and, and that's so, it. so basically it's this it's this communist chinese assassin going after this reclusive japanese billionaire and one of the coolest yep. things about it is that her little arm cannon because she's a, a a cyborg as well she loads like a roll of of money a roll of change Granted, yep. it's it's I don't know whether it's yen or yuan. I think it's yen because of the uh, it was yen. Yep. Uh, and and just blast that like a shotgun to it was awesome, really to cool. kill people. That is a cool. And gun. that's really cool. <laughs> and and the cool idea of, of, a, of a of a of a communist Chinese assassin using money to 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 assassinate a billionaire is really really interesting. And then yeah. we get to the billionaire's reclusive hideout that they have to go in. And this guy uh, has disappeared a while back, but still operates. And he's got, uh, once again, one of those uh, bikini-clad uh, made robots. And he's many got made androids. Many, many made, made androids, androids. Uh, that are wearing next to nothing. Uh, well, we need to dial back to the actually the, the creepy moment where the, the chief says to the major... That's quite some getup. Are you trying to attract my attention with your wardrobe? <laughs> and I was like, what the F? <laughs> like, I mean, first we had seen she got dunked in the trash. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot just, about like, this. Changed. And, 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 and if you've been watching the show to this point, she's not wearing much in these meetings to begin with, the major. Right. And yeah. that's why I was like, what is happening here? That was so, that, that was a, that was a, it was like, it was like whoever wrote that line hadn't seen or, re- the or read the rest of the show. Yeah, it they was, had just it seen was a picture of the chief and seen a picture of the of the major and like, oh, come on, I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna write this uh, lecherous old man like it's Dragon Ball Z. And she like, is yeah. wearing less than she usually wears, which is also weird because this is their headquarters. Where is she keeping her like military uniform that the, she shows up in? Sometimes I don't know. Um, 
I'm allergic but to yeah, this that, episode. That, it's getting, that, uh, it's getting that whole thing was uh, obnoxious. And uh, honestly, even when they get to the mansion, the only the only scene that I I'm like, oh, that's amusing, is the Bato dog scene. The ba- so of, of, of course, Bato gets the standout part because he do, always does something wacky. So I, I will say the the pre, pri, just prior to that, we get to see the uh, the collection of old cars that this uh, that this billionaire has, and they're yes. all like. 90s Lambos, and I'm like, yeah, but uh, and Bato's like, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> Bato drives an old like 90s car too, which yeah. is which is also funny, but uh, but yeah, and so he he then goes up against the 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 robot dog, the robot dogs this guy has, and I don't know, I'm gonna speed through the rest of this because there's not I'm just not- on the roof like they're in a freaking 90s comedy. <laughs> Like they're and, like they're it's 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 this episode is silly and the payoff is non-existent. Yeah. So basically, we get all the way into this, and then the major uh, uh, faces off against uh, against the the assassin and beats her. At which point, Atachikoma says, "Major, somebody left an old guy in here." As it turns out, the the billionaire has been dead for some time. Everything that has been going on for all of his financial deals is a result of this software that he wrote that's been doing it for him. The assassin was not going to be successful because they were already dead. Uh, la la la. And at the end of the episode, Togusa goes home for the first time in like two months. Um, which I'm just making fun of Togusa because... I love him as a character. He never goes home. His poor wife. <laughs> and uh, and his wife is talking about uh, uh, the day trading she's been doing. Keep in mind, in, yep. in 2003, when this episode came out, day trading was a new thing. This was a new thing that you could do on the internet, like etrade.com and all of that. Uh, she's uh, in, uh, investing in Serrano Genomics, just like uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Jameson uh, Texan... Serrano Genomics, do you mean Meditech? Uh, was it Meditech stock? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty was, sure she it, was investing in it's, Meditech. It's, it's Meditech. I, all these names, I get confused. Serrano's I don't know. Okay. It, it's, no, Serrano's, it, way, Serrano, it's Serrano's the uh, the laughing man company in it. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was like, <laughs> Togus' yeah. wife is getting in some getting she's in, deep. <laughs> she's she's in, the laughing man. Yeah. She's <laughs> investing in Meditech, which we had, of course, previously mentioned. And the Texan was like, oh, you should invest in this. No, 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 no. Yeah. And, it's and, pretty uh, cute. And, and of course, uh, they leave the computer uh, and, and walk away. And all of a sudden, it kicks on as they're in, in the room and they see a bunch of Japanese text go across the screen as if that program that the that the billionaire wrote is working for Togusa now and yeah and it it just no sense it makes no sense and um I'm gonna go ahead and ask you is this ever brought back up I mean I haven't seen the Netflix season but no according to anything this this episode gets thrown in the trash too um obviously this doesn't make the tie tie cut just to make it clear I I think there are somehow alluding because as the a billionaire uh, uh, like Kanemoto Yosuke, as he gets his dead body gets taken away, uh, Togusa takes some money and places it on him. I I think yeah, to, to pay, pay the, the ferry, ferry to pay Wait, the ferryman, which is a cool and move. it's like, which is a cool move, and it's and, and it's it's interesting because Togusa looks in this guy's room, and this guy has literally stacks of gold 
all around his bed. He's been, he's been taking um, everything out. The ceilings in the, in the ceilings in the room are probably forty feet high, and they're from the floor to the ceiling. And oh, yeah. uh, he just, but but he picks out this one coin to give to them, and so it's almost like it, what they're kind of alluding to is that somehow this this person in death, uh, you know, respected that, and you know, made some and, trades and, for Tokusa and, and his wife. Honestly, that's fine. But cool. like, I just feel like they could have done a little better. Again, yeah, it, I, there there are some amusing stuff in terms of the animation. And this is one thing I was going to touch upon in the next episode, but I think they just, they've put more money in some of, in more of the episodes in the letter, in the back half of this series, because yes, there are some odd animation moments, but there are some gorgeous sequences that I just, I was like, man, that these, these look great. Also, I wish and, the assassin, the fight, the major versus the assassin. I wish that went on longer. Uh, I feel oh, like a lot mean, of time when the major yeah. comes up against someone who I keep thinking like, oh, this is going to be a real fight. Nah, she just whoops butt and and walks out. <laughs> like, yeah, drops I, the I mic was, over and the over major, again. Man. She's the major, man. Yeah, but yeah. I was disappointed because, one, what's the point of starting this episode with the assassin's point of view where she's narrating almost like an old noir novel? And right. I just I was really hoping that that character would be better utilized because again, I'm not trying to sound overly negative this episode. I know I kind of am, but these first couple really kind of put a damper on my enthusiasm for a little bit, just because I know this show and the can be better because the character work is great. Like most of the character work, they're responding as they would and should, but the, the story frames in which they're working are just so flawed and again this is one of those things where the setup is great the execution specifically at the very end is not and that's something that has plagued a lot of standalone episodes specifically in the season that we've talked about even the really good ones that 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 wrap up too quickly even going back to episode three which i still defend as a very interesting concept with very interesting things going on just doesn't nail the land hey Hey, Drew, I'll give you this one. Episode three is no longer the worst episode in the series. <laughs> that, that honor actually goes to, uh, it actually got surpassed by two different episodes. There are two episodes in this series of episodes that are miles worse than episode three. Well, let's get into one of the potential ones, though. I, I think this one is is less a standalone and more more tied into the rest of the series as a whole, uh, even though it doesn't deal with the Laughing Man. Uh, episode 15, Time of the Machines, Machine Désirant. So, Can I just tell you straight up, I'm mad at this episode because it has to be in the tie tie cut <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I, and, and obviously you'll understand what, what we, what I mean by that as, as I let, as I let these two explain the episode, but I want to cut this so bad, but I can't, <laughs> I feel <laughs> so the exact the same way because this episode is basically the major wants to talk to Bato about the, the Tachikomas and this whole episode is this gigantic, uh, socio-political religious discussion by all of the Tamagotchis and it's there is there is stuff in here that can be gleaned and I think could be gleaned in a better episode or sprinkled through other episodes uh, or at least a, a moment of another episode because I think there is very good stuff the episode itself 
feels very throwaway because unlike the chat room episode, I just don't feel like we're moving anywhere. And and this one really just kind of everything comes to a halt. There's some good stuff between Bato and the Major while Bato is kind of grumbling about having to basically sideline the 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 Tachikomas because they're evolving. And the Majors worried they're evolving too much like humans and that that will get in the way of their work. She views them as tools. And on the other side, we have the Tachikomas kind of goofing around, but at the same time having these really insane conversations about existence and the identity of self and all this stuff. The conversation that the Tachikoma has with Bato about the existence of God is insane. It's it's true. Again, <laughs> the, uh, I think I mentioned this in the chat room episode. Uh, the, as a non-Japanese, uh, as, as a non-fully fluent Japanese speaker, boy, just watch this one in English, folks, because you do a lot of reading. There was way I had to do so much reading. <laughs> Example. Uh, when the Tachikoma says, and you know that existence of God thing I had trouble understanding before? I think I'm starting to understand it now. Maybe, just maybe, it's a concept that's similar to zero in mathematics. In other words, it's a symbol that denies the absence of meaning. The meaning that's necessitated by the delineation of one system from another. In analog, that's God. In digital, it's zero. What do you think? Also, our basic construction is digital, right? So for the time being, no matter how much data we accumulate, we'll never have a ghost. But analog-based people like you, Bata-san, no matter how many digital components you add through cyberization or prosthetics, your ghost will never be damaged. Plus, you can die because you've got a ghost. You're so lucky. Tell me, what's it like to have a ghost? And that is one small scene. So this All is that. hilarious. And Bato's reaction is pretty much the same reaction as you as a viewer. Where he's like, oh. Yeah, he, he's like, how? What? No, I take back what I said earlier. You're pretty messed up, all right. But see, so this, yeah. this is where I will defend this episode a uh, little bit because it is one of those things where having these moments and conversations peppered throughout the rest of the show, and they've done a little bit of this already. A little. A little. Not as, I mean, again, if the show was made in 2015. And was 15 episodes instead of 24, I think we'd probably see a little bit more of this. But, and the Tachikomatic Day shorts would be less comedy and more serious. But, uh, you have these, you, you have this awakening intelligence as this AI, which is still very much a child. Yes. Very right. childlike, having these super serious conversations of like the idea that God and zero are the same thing between analog and digital because zero means nothing, but it exists. Like it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, weird thing for them to, to come across and, and to, to, to bring up and, Oh yeah. And it's, it's, I think I I find that interesting and I find the way that they've kind of figure out that, Oh, uh, the major doesn't like us. So we need to, uh, act like robots. Act like robots. So funny. That scene is that scene is top tier comedy. It's <laughs> no, so here's the thing. I don't dislike most of this episode. I feel like Tyler, where it's like this has to be in the cut because it it's important for the world of Ghost in the Shell. I don't so. like that this episode feels like everything grinds to a halt and everyone's just kind of standing for 25 minutes. 
or like, sitting, uh, which again is or, another or one, sitting. which is another one of those uh, things that I love that they can do this because it's a cyberpunk world where uh, yes. the, the major and Bato are in the electromagnetically sealed room and they're having one conversation with their mouths and a different conversation with their cyber brains. And that great blows my mind. Like, how do you it do really that? Cool. Uh, no, I, 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 re- I really like a lot of this episode. I just wish it were framed a little bit better so that it it didn't feel like the show was grinding to a halt to explain something. Right. Sure. It is. and I, But I did. I like that this episode also highlights one of the key differences between the major and Bato, which I think is pretty much summed up by Saito because the setup to this episode is that Saito was testing a um, some it was like a sniper program. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like the snipe. He ends up not liking the sniper program because uh, it kept in, like every time he was about to pull the trigger, it felt like it was interfering with him. Well, that turned out to be true. The Tachikomas figure out that the program was indeed trying to. They, it didn't like his inputs, and so it was trying to change them or delete them as as he was trying to fire. Um, but what Saito says to the Tachikomas, they ask him is this unit going to go into the field? And he said, and he said, no, uh, we, we do. It's something along the lines is like the, the thing that I'm experiencing is an unknown quantity. And in the field, you don't want an unknown quantity. And for the major, that is what the Tachikomas are becoming mm-hmm. their, their individualism that they are beginning to project and experience is becoming an unknown quantity. And in the field, you, you have to have reliability, but Bato greatly appre- like appreciates and values that individual individuality. I think I think yes, him he does. That that is that is an an essential thing. Well, because uh, they even and, highlight that Bato pretty much has his own Tachikoma. There's only yeah. one that he and, really uses, and that's the one that he was giving natural oil, which yep. pr- pr- presumably is also the thing that potentially is causing some of this stuff to happen. We don't know, yeah. but, and, but but that's 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 also interesting in that we also know that when it comes to certain things, Bato is a little more. Possessive is the wrong word. He he values. I'm, I'm I've I've lost I've lost the word that I'm trying to well, say. He does value their individuality. Like he he eval, he values their. Um, I don't want to say them as as sentient beings, but that's that's kind of close to it. Like he 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 likes the Tachikomas to put it to put it like simply. He, he values uniqueness. So yeah. the like his his old school car is unique because it is rare. The Tachikomas, because of their their AI and their multi-pet abilities, are unique. They are rare. And in the upcoming episode, there is a person that he likes because that person is unique and rare. Yes. Uh, and so I think that is just something that oftentimes attracts him. Uh, but and then and essentially what. The end of the, the episode pretty much ends with the the major deciding that the uh, Tachikomas will be disarmed and go back to the lab for analysis, which does not go over well with Bato, who pretty much just flat out says, "This is an order, right? I can't. I have no say in this." And the major just the major says, "Yes," and uh, he is upset, which is why I love that this episode dovetails. They, I think they, I would have loved to see both of these air on the same day, like they would. Have I back agree. In, you know, in the in the two thousands, 
because the next episode is very Bato heavy. And I think it does a wonder for his character development. Both of the uh, episode 16 yes. also makes it into the tie tie cut. Great episode. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I have to say, because uh, I even made a note, there's just something inherently interesting about Bato episodes, which I personally find interesting because coming, coming into this, this um, deep dive, my really ex- only experience with Ghost in the Shell was the movie. So the major has always been the icon for Ghost in the Shell. And in the film, she's most of the main, main character and hub of conversation. Same with the uh, 2017 live action film. And so as this, this show has opened up that world more, and I've also gotten the manga, the, the major kind of reminds me of Batman. Like, she's very cool. She's the icon, but it's the ancillary characters that become so much more interesting around that icon to me. And as a result, they often get more development. And yeah, it, that happens how every Bato episode. I'm blown away by how complete, so far in these first uh, 19 episodes, how completely one-sided the character development is geared towards Bato. No one is explored as deeply as he is as of this moment, not even close. No, I, I, I agree with that. I will say that that shifts a little bit as we enter the last few episodes. I would hope so. Mostly, well, just, just mostly because the, I'm going to tell you if it's not the major Bato or Togusa, you're not going to get any character development really in anything. My, uh, my boy Saito just getting spurred. Uh, Saito gets a background <laughs> episode in season two. I'll point it to you uh, when we're. Oh, now I got to watch the whole season. Just <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to flat out say I'm definitely I am interested enough to keep on going with, with season two. No matter how the Laughing Man stuff ends, I am. I, I do love this world and I love these yeah, characters. Fantastic. Yeah, we, we get upset because it's so good. And so when you see these flaws, it just makes you go, ah, but why? But, but to get back away from the flaws, let's get to episode 16. Uh, standalone chinks in the armor of the heart, AG2O, which is capital A, lowercase g, sub two, capital O, as in silver and oxygen, a uh, a chemical formula for chemistry. Uh, well, as Tyler noted, th- there's some spillover from the last episode because, th- th- yeah, the, the dour ending of the Tachikoma is getting... Uh, de-armored and, or um yeah de-weaponized and gone to the lab for analysis there's a bit they, they still don't understand what's going on and they're the, the exact words i wrote down is effing but obviously not the the tamagotchi choir is horrifying because when they're singing at least in the english it sounded terrifying it me. was ter- <laughs> it was terrifying it was creepy and and this is one of those things that i it, they're singing the song about uh, a, a girl that's being sold to uh, to a royal family in another country to to basically I I I I, I didn't look it up I should have bad Drew bad bad I I, I meant to do the same thing uh, to to see whether this is just a whether this this song is like a known thing in Japan that we just don't know of here but basically it's it's this whole thing of. They're singing, they're happily singing this song that is really very sad and them understanding that it's sad, but not feeling sad because they don't understand sadness. 
Right. Which meanwhile, always Bato. It, it's so funny that they, they are all marked up with ribbons and stuff and tags. And so, so, so this is so that's that's something that I absolutely love as as like if you look at any military hardware, like uh, if you ever get the opportunity to go to an Air Force base and see uh, pre-flight fighter jets, they've got all of these like things that have to be pulled off of all of the weapons before that plane can take off or else those weapons don't work. And it's that kind of idea that that's what's going on to the Tachikomas, all these, these markings that like, this is taped down and this is, is, is secured and this is this and this is that. And that was a really yeah. interesting visual thing that they mm-hmm. don't yeah, normally cool. do. And, uh, but we can't, yeah, go ahead. And and, and Bato's a, a sad boy. And I will also say the ep- episode 16 and episode 17 that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes uh, take place at the same time. Yes, uh, I liked that a lot. As as we find out when, when the major sends Bato on a mission because he knows that Bato needs something to focus on because otherwise he's going to be absolutely useless and... Probably do chief? something. Yes. What did I say? The major. Uh, yeah. The chief. The chief sends Bato on uh, on a mission uh, because Bato, in times like these, needs something to think about and something to worry about and something to do, or else he'll just self destruct. So. Well, no, he just spends his money on more weightlifting equipment and, and <laughs> does that, which is. <laughs> Yeah, Ridiculous. but I wish I wish that the rest of this episode could turn out better for old Bato, but oh, I know this is this is a, a pretty dour episode. Like, yeah, I mean, even though I, I was even though I feel like there's there's very little stakes in terms of the world with this episode. It does a great job with Bato's emotion, emotional arc. And you can tell it. I mean, he's been he's feeling let down by the entire world. Yeah, at this he point. really is. He really and, is. Like he he's basically he's um a silver medal box a uh, silver medalist boxer is suspected of uh espionage. Yeah. So Pavlo Zaitsev, he won the silver they call it the Paralympic Games because uh, uh augmented people cannot be in the Olympic Games, which makes a lot of sense. Um who is was world famous uh a, uh, winner after winner after winner of all of these international things, but only made it to the silver medal in the Olympics. Uh, only, I, it was only the second best in the world. Well, again, that's, right. Well, that that's one of those things that like second best in the world, but we still look to the gold medalists and we never think about the silver medalists. Let's, I mean, that's that's something that happens even to medalists in the world today. Sure, but uh, what 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 you find out is. This is a former hero of Bato's. <laughs> yes, a former hero of Bato's uh, as a martial, but but at post uh, post Olympics has been working for the the naval defense forces to as a hand to hand combat instructor. But they suspect that he is spying and sending that information out. So they want Bato to get in there get close to him and figure out what exactly is going on. And so. yeah. And and while this episode is kind of a throwaway, there's enough here. And Bato's a strong, likable enough character to, to carry this episode. I would have been perfectly happy. Even if this wasn't in the sequence of events of the season, if there was like a side OVA that animes love doing 
or a light novel or something that was just about Bato, this could have been stretched out a little bit mm-hmm. because it's very, I mean, it's very cut and dry. I mean, boom, 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 boom. And because you have the, the, the basic, the, the meat cute of these two men in, in the, uh, the boxing ring. And then they become buddies. And even though you can tell at first, Bato was really excited to like be talking to a, a former hero of his. His his investigation brain takes over, and like the body language he carries oh. is it tells you everything, even though he's not saying anything. And he knows what's up from 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 John. Oh, he he absolutely does. I mean, he's there for a reason. But Bato. Bato does not need to be going undercover because he says things like, you seem to be practically as busy as someone in intelligence. <laughs> I mean, why don't you just tell him who you are and why you're there? Well, they well let- that was that was after. So th- when he first meets, I mean, to his credit, when he first meets um, uh, Pablo. Like, he says that the said. second time he meets him for a drink. But that's after he investigates him. That's so like when he first meets him before he's done any investigating, he he really is just a fan. Yeah, and, and this is why and he is and he is very excited. It's longer. not until he go he sneaks into his office and sees what he's done, and then his attitude completely changes when he realizes he's right. guilty. Well, and, he and I he agree. Doesn't, he doesn't but, want him to be guilty, but he knows on some level that he's guilty, and he knows specifically when he goes to his house and his and Zaitsev's wife brings the the platter of food and drinks. And Zaitsev says, what is this cheap nonsense? We have more expensive stuff than this. Why are you serving him the cheap stuff? And that sends a signal to Bato that something's going on. Something is happening. Money matters to this character who had so much. And then with that silver medal, lost all of these sponsorships, lost all of these other things. That of itself is kind of weird to me because I don't know of any civil medalist that loses sponsorships. Uh, like 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 Tyler said before, like you're still the second best in the world. Like yeah. you're still there are, pe- so, there are people who have never won a championship and and they've got sponsors coming out the. the so, shorts, so, so so this is something that is never said explicitly in the episode, but when you research this episode, there is speculation. Though this is just speculation that Zaitsev threw the match. It, because I never once got that implication. And if that's there, it needs to do a better job of so, offering so, so that. Again, so again, the, the, the rationale that people use for that is because Zaitsev mentioned something called the prosthetic blind spot. Right. Which is a move that he uses to... To, to draw people in and knock them out in one punch because of, of the way that prosthetic sight works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He makes specific mention that the, the, the final match of the Olympics, he didn't use it. And it's the only match he lost when he didn't use it. So that, but yeah, be- but you can also argue that he wanted to see if he could, he could win like flat out sure having to use but that. but but again the but again again speculation 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 well if you're a silver medalist you don't lose everything but if you cheated and nobody wanted to publicly out publicly say out loud that you cheated for the sake of protecting the sport then they just take it away and you go about your merry business 
Again, that's, I, that's speculation. I think that's something that's interesting. I don't personally think that's exactly what happened. They I don't, think it's like, interesting, but it's 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 not at all communicated in the episode. I sure. don't think. But but anyhow, so you have somebody that's on top of the world, and then is no longer after they don't win, and are teaching a bunch of sailors how to to punch each other, and and they they don't really respect him until he beats them in the face easily. And they're like, Oh wow, we should listen to this guy. And, and all of that. Um, I do also want to point out something that is very, very funny to me. Uh, when, uh, Zaitsev and, and Bato are sitting at the bar together and Bato goes to the bathroom just to, to check on something that, cause that he's actually doing. And Zaitsev reaches into his pocket and pulls out uh, a picture because Bato has said that he has a wife and kid <laughs> and, the, and yeah. the, his wife in the picture old. is the major and the little kid looks just enough like Togusa that it's just very funny. <laughs> it is very funny. Um, but I, I, there's a lot of this episode I really, really like. I just feel like for them to get some of the stuff they really wanted to hammer in, I would have, I wish this episode was like 45 minutes long. Um, and it's weird because it's it's very low stakes, but it, it, it's really it's because of how much this show makes you care about Bato. Like he wants to be like, hey, man, if you can beat me in a boxing match, I will let you walk. And like every bit of him, he even says like he does not want to have to be in this situation. Like he he's so pissed off at him because it's just another thing right now in the world that's let him down. Yeah. And. I think that's where a lot of his anger comes at the end of this episode. And it makes it very, very sad for me. <laughs> I, uh, we, we have said, I think enough about how good this episode is because it is good, but I will say my one big complaint with this episode, uh, this being episode 16, this is essentially a retelling of episode 10, but in a much cheerier fashion, <laughs> because again, Bato comes against, uh, something of his past. Again, he is forced to make a choice that, uh, he doesn't really that he has a hard time making again. He proves why everybody likes him. He makes the right decision. Uh, except this one doesn't have a serial killer in it. So it's a little better. Uh, but, but 10 and 16 mirror each other very, very closely. I, which I is, can again, see that. Uh, Bato is the Miles O'Brien of Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, I, hmm. I don't know if I quite agree with that, but I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, but uh, which leads us into? Or are you? Well, you I just, I just want to say, I absolutely love the the final match between the two because Bato yeah. loses the first match uh, against On Zaitsev, purpose. and we find out, of course, that in that last match when Zaitsev tries the same technique, that prosthetic blind spot, and Bato blocks it and punches him, that he threw the fight the first time, which yeah. again is. Just, it's a wonderful moment. It's a heartbreaking moment for Bato. Yeah, it but is. It's it's. This episode is one of the best in the series, and it's, yeah. it may be the best made, standalone episode. Made extra heartbreaking by the fact that um, Pablo's wife uh, meets back up with Bato and gives him the liquor 
that she was trying to serve him earlier and uh you know just says which was a for, which was a homemade thing for her people and da 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 yeah and just says thank you essentially for being friends with her husband cuz he hasn't looked that happy in a while and boy bato goes back to the locker room togusa talks to him a little bit and he ends up you know bato just ends up throwing uh not only that bottle but a bunch of other uh, bottles, I think, of protein drink or something. No, I have no that, idea. What those are, are the bottles of natural oil that he was giving to the touching. That's illness. right. He ends up literally throwing them at a trash can. And I say that specifically because they didn't go in it. <laughs> and uh, it breaks all over the floor. And then, you know, I think the last thing we see is him just hitting a punching bag. And he is, he is just mad. He is mad at the world. It is heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching to watch somebody who is couched in so much in, like individuality and a true joy for certain aspects of life just get absolutely beaten on for two episodes in a row it's really hard uh thankfully we get a bit of reprieve yeah. meanwhile meanwhile in london we have episode 17 the true reason for the unfinished love affair angels share uh, so while all of this is going on for Bato, uh, the Major and Chief Aramaki are in London for an anti-terrorism conference. And while there, uh, old Aramaki stops by a wine bank. Yes, a wine bank to visit an old friend of his. Uh, I really like this episode. <laughs> who asks him for help with a money laundering scheme that she has uncovered that's going on in the bank. Um I will say to start out, I really enjoy and also don't like in reality, but like the concept of the fact that wine has become something in uh, in in the future, uh, a uh, even more of a specialized um, currency of current like currency industry mm-hmm. thing, because wine is rare it takes time to produce and it's not easily replicable so you can trade it and not actually drink it which is what wine is for um anyway uh tyler i'm sorry i I feel like i cut you off as you were about to say something no i think it's really i think it's i think it's awesome i think a lot of times in sci-fi they're like currency gets very digitized you know like when we play starfinder there's just cred sticks there's something you just tap on a data pad they transfer to your account money flows very simply very electronically but i always i always like the idea when they bring in trade goods because there are things that are going to be more scarce and more valuable and of course in a society like that it, where they where they understand theoretically the, the value of things that you would just you could just trade them freely without any hindrance or conversion to to anything else that you know that would just be understood i lo- i love that touch i love how seriously they took it um it was a very this episode is fantastic it definitely makes it into the tie tie cut that's that uh, everything about everything about this was i'm wonderful. so happy to hear you guys say that because i see a lot of 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 reviews about this episode being kind of goofy and the only thing that saves it is that you find out a little bit more about Aramaki and you see him do his Aramaki thing. It's definitely a high point of the episode is is watching him work is is absolutely beautiful but we also get to see a little bit of the major uh, a softer side to her that we oftentimes don't get to see and I think the whole you know I think getting out of Japan it was uh, a cool it was cool 
Everything about this episode's cool. Yeah, just... and I think that that's why it works. It's, I mean, again, it feels weirdly low stakes, especially for a hostage situation. Everything just feels so like like the presentation of the episode is blasé. Like plot points wise, like it's interesting and could have been really frenetic with the. Uh, well, let's let's so let's talk about that because it is a hostage situation, kind of in that. Two people bust into this <laughs> to this uh, wine bank and take the chief and his friend hostage. But then the chief basically recruits the two of them because he convinces yeah. them that what they're doing is stupid because they're just going to get killed. It's and such that there's a something perfect, bigger going on. The chief is the chief in any situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's such a perfect, oh, you don't know who I am, do you moment, right? <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's just, I love, these two guys are are so great. They kind of remind me of the wet bandits from home alone in, in, their, in, in their ineptitude, uh, but their willingness to just go along okay. with something. Uh, I, oh, it was so great. One of the, re- and I, I, one of the reasons I liked, I think I like this episode so much is that it doesn't really focus on the bad guys. A lot of the times I think these episodes, uh, like I think, and one of the reasons why miles, um, talks about like how the, the pacing suffers is because they have to establish motivations and a personality for their bad guys. In this episode, it really doesn't matter. It, it almost purely focuses on uh, the right. chief and uh, the person he has come to see. And the, the, the villains only exist to move the plot, which is a perfect place for them to be. And I think the episode shines because of it. Yeah. And I, th- I think they, th- this, this, uh, these villains and this, this story only exists to highlight Aramaki. Like I, I, and I love that because I, I love that we finally got an episode and we'll, and we'll get another one about the chief. Hey, we're getting some character and, development for these characters that aren't the major and Bato. I would, <laughs> I, I, and which probably <laughs> maybe I'm just, maybe I'm biased on this episode because after so much Bato and nothing else, I'm just like, yes, this goes in. It's about somebody else. Perfect. So <laughs> what I also have to comment that I find the, the major's uh, streaker coat hilarious that she's wearing. Cause it looks like, you know, like one of those 70 streaker coats. <laughs> that scene. Who is that officer in that scene? <laughs> what are you doing, man? This is a hostage raid, and you're and you're just you're getting you're getting you're getting your fancies waxed. Like, are you out of your mind? You're wanting to have magazine time with an alley lady, and that's it. <laughs> alley lady. Um, I, I I I do like what you said, Tyler, about you know the softer side of the major, where she like she's in a shop and she she buys this expensive wine key and. It also shows a little bit more of her complexity in that she's a little bit of a hypocrite. Like she tries the official way first. We know when she tries to just go up to the scene and and obviously what we don't know, uh, the the bad guy, uh, the other police officer is like, you know, GTFO. I don't care who you are. Yeah. When When push comes to shove, she breaks the rules. And she's always this by the book person when it comes to the people under her command and how they operate things, except when she doesn't feel like it. And which on one hand makes her much more of an individual person, but it also kind of, it just, it's jarring. Well, it only matters if he can get away with it or not. And because she does everything very quietly with her stealth camouflage on, she can get away with it. Right. Um, that's a minor nitpick. I really enjoyed a lot. I loved watching the chief take advantage of the situation and just become the boss. 
I loved the implied romance between the wine lady and him. I kind of wish there was a little bit more character stuff in that element because we only really get that at the end. We know that she used to be in politics and they, they kind of work closely together. And at the very end, you know, she's like, hey, let's split this bottle of wine it's from my personal, you know, collection. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, no, I have to get back to Japan. Like, I, I kind of wanted a little bit more from from that scene. And because at, right afterwards, the major kind of makes a joke out of it, you know. And so I kind of wanted a little bit more because we, we finally just scratched the surface of the chief, you know. And so I kind of wanted to ruminate that on more, which is why I'm so happy. And uh, if you have more to say about this episode, we can. But this is why I'm so happy about the next episode. I am both happy and sad about the next episode. Yes, this next episode is. It, it's well, it, it's dark. Tyler, final word on uh, on the the Aramaki wine extravaganza. Uh, well, it makes it into the tie tie cut. Final word is, um, it, it's a beautiful episode, and it highlights what it highlights one of the reasons why Section Nine works so well. And then I think it's going to be a very important episode in understanding how Section Nine, wh- why Section Nine is able to work so beautifully as a team in future episodes. It's it's um it's fantastic. So let's move on to episode 18. Another Aramaki focused episode in a sense. Uh, assassination duet lost heritage. So a Chinese foreign minister Jin has requested to visit a the Kagoshima War Memorial in Japan. This is a war memorial for one of the past two world wars. And it's been denied, it's been denied, it's been denied. But after five years, they are allowing it. So this Chinese dignitary has been granted access to the site. But that's not a super popular decision. It's kind of split. Uh, and, of course, a death threat is made against uh, Vice Foreign Minister Jen. Uh, and as Aramaki is is visiting the grave of one of his comrades that died in the conflict that they are memori- that that memorialize that that what they're talking about memorializes, he encounters that person's daughter, who uh, gives concern over her brother. And as we find out, her brother has a scheme to assess uh, to assassinate uh, Minister Jen. So find out that that. Uh- that Jen and uh, the chief were old war buddies. No, not Jen. The, the, the guy that died. Uh, Jen is the, the Chinese vice foreign minister. The other guy is in, and uh, uh, what's his name? Colonel. Uh, oh, what was, his well, name? No, but there were three of them. Yes, there were three of them and we meet two of them because the third is dead, but vice right. foreign minister Jen yeah. is the Chinese person that wants to come to yeah, the, the Chinese dignitary right. is Jin. Uh you is the son. Right. I can't remember the daughter's name and the colonel um they say his name two or three times and I don't have it written down. Those wonderful notes that we all take on these standalone episodes. I know, right? <laughs> uh but yeah. Uh, so so basically, as this goes through, because we find out through the course of uh, that that the colonel that was the 
that was Aramaki's friend was they were all part of this tactics division in during during the war for the ground special defense forces and or self-defense forces excuse me and uh and, and they were crucial to the war effort and worked together very there was a name for the trio of them but i cannot remember what it was called either i should know that but hey hopefully you watched the episode and you uh, found out that that too uh, and and this was some and, and the the colonel was a guy who got down into tactics with and and did on-site training for for all of these demolitions and like if anybody was going to assassinate this guy it was going to be him but we find out that that uh, the colonel's wife was killed during this conflict as a result of something that presumably not necessarily Jin, but the Chinese forces had a part of. They don't, they don't spell out what exactly happened during this. Right. Uh, and, and we find out uh, that, that you, the son of the Colonel has been, has had access to the Colonel's computer systems and somehow his ghost Mer- like the colonel's ghost merged with his son's ghost and so the son's kind of become a combination of his dad and his son and they are assassinated they want to assassinate J- the the, the chinese vice foreign minister because uh, of what happened to the wife slash mother and it gets very confusing and it gets very yes. strange so uh kobata is the friend thank you and the daughter's name is saori Thank you. Um, what? So here between this episode and the next episode, uh, this is something that I want to bring up because I really feel one. This episode is fantastic. I really like a lot of this episode. However, I think it could have been better. And I think it would have been better if it was a multi episode arc. And there was a little bit of trying to figure out who the assassin was. It wasn't because usually when with a single 22 minute episode, their first suspect, that's who it is. But I feel like this show would be a little bit stronger if we sacrificed some of these episodes we may have dropped for the tie tie cut or the drew cut or the my, my cut. But, and in either this episode or the next one made a multi-episode arc that allows us to dig deeper because this, this episode could have gone into some really cool espionage, the horrors of war uh, rewritten some other cases to maybe even tie it in to have a, a narrating like an overarching narration or narrative that isn't just the laughing man. And I think it could have made for a good, healthy, you know, part of the show where we get these hints because most of the main laughing man stuff is in the, the first part of the season. And then it's kind of saved for the rest. So you could have feasibly had an opening real arc and I feel like uh, Lost Heritage or the next episode, Captivated, would have done a really, really good job as being the source of a multi-arc story. Yeah. I mean, this this is an episode that, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to cut off, I'm going to cut you off, Tyler, because I have a sneaking suspicion that this is a snip, 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 doesn't make the tie-tie cut, because the setup of this episode is great. And the execution of this episode is fine. 
And then it all kind of falls apart in the last couple of minutes when it comes down to what actually happens at the end. And I agree. I'm, I'm going to pause myself to let Tyler talk because I can tell he wants to. Listeners, let me let you in on a little secret. Episode 18 is bad. It's bad. <laughs> it doesn't make the tie tie cut. It has my number one pet peeve in all of cinema. All of cinema. Cinema? Cinema? Any digital entertainment, video games included. And that's when things explode and nobody gets hurt and there's no consequence to said explosion. <laughs> oh, see, I, I was in the impression that that explosion happened only in his head because they mentioned that they had to make him believe that he succeeded so that he oh, if that's it. true, then that's wait that that still makes this episode bad, but it's better because I I that went way over my head. Then. Yes, I had to watch I had to watch that scene twice to to, and I've seen these episodes before, and I had to watch so that like, twice. Where's, where's the hint at that? I mean, it's just the hint that nobody oh, is so, hurt. So so what happens is he's so as we get to the end, they. And again, the beautiful moment of they find the sniper rifle in the bathroom with the knocked out kid. Yeah, good- like like all of these things where there's like fake drops of where he might be attacking from, and and he runs up to to the foreign minister to stab him, and the major pops that thing in the back of his head, and then he falls, mm-hmm. and then you see, and then. He's got this little like headphone splitter in the back of his head. It looks like a headphone splitter to me. But, right, uh, it does. <laughs> and and he turns and he smiles and there's the explosion. Yeah. And then they they're in, suddenly in a hospital room and he's got all the all the stuff sticking out of his forehead and all these other things. And the major says to the sister that they have to give him the memory of a successful assassination assassination in order to try to get him back but that makes no sense because he would be dead in the explosion like if you if you explode that much and you are literally the trigger puller you are dead and if you can survive uh, then everybody else could survive but i also think this is a, a victim of being a one episode story I agree. I, mean, sure. I, I agree with I, that. I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. But snip, snip, snip in the trash. Guess what? This episode is worse than episode three. Oh, I disagree <laughs> with that. I Boom. disagree with that. Boom. I, I, Boom. I, think, I think this episode does a lot of good things for the chief. And again, this and the next episode, I really do wish that they had, they had taken episodes that we had kind of passed over and like, yeah, that they could have done without this and made those episodes fleshed out so that they could properly write them and do a little bit more with these stories. Because I feel like they just felt like if it's not, they, they, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be cute. They wanted to have standalone and they wanted to have complex and you couldn't have more than one complex. And it's a, it's a shame because I, I think it would have made what's a fantastic, fantastic, show with an amazing world and awesome characters it would have made the weaknesses in that show stronger like it, it, the show would have been stronger if they if they had had a couple other arcs yeah probably 
as of now, we have uh, number 18 as the greatest dud to grace the season. Oh, boy. The reason I say that is because episode 18 has a good idea that doesn't execute and I think has a bad ending. Episode 3 has a bad plot, but a great it has an interesting ending that asks a interesting question that at least after episode three, I still thought about that question. After episode 18, I I uh, I, I wished to go watch something better. That so I, you know. I, I kind of agree. I mean, again, this is this yeah. to me is one of those situations that it all falls apart in the final minute minutes. Everything up to that point with the plots on plots on plots and all the things that he's doing and how he's evading capture and how he's setting up these, these dummy drops and all of this stuff is very interesting. And the, and, and the chief's uh, conversations with, with Kobuta, Kobuta's ghost, but son who's speaking with Kobuta's voice, no. all of that stuff is really no, no. interesting. Ko- Kobuta, Kobuta is the friend. He's the, he's yeah. the friend that's alive. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Forgive me. It's okay. But yeah, the, the conversation he's the having with his, the ghost of his dead friend is, was, was but, great. but, and I, and I'm going to agree. I'm not sure this episode makes the, the Drew cut, the die, die cut. If we're going to go, my, my, tie, tie, die, die. <laughs> this episode oh can die, die, bye, bye. Because <laughs> it's, I, it, and again, this is one of those things where if I, I do still feel like this is an episode that the setup is great and it, falls apart in the last two minutes. And that's true it also of does so many of these episodes right now. Mm-hmm. Despite my, my, I do agree with a lot of the problems with this episode, but I also, because I see the potential in it, it still makes the, the my, my cut because it does open up that world. It does inform you of what some of what happened in those world wars and the countries that were involved and, and stuff like that, that I'm deeply, deeply interested in like the actual lore of the world of standalone complex. And for that reason, I have to keep it because it really opens that up for me. Well, let's get into Very our nice. final episode <laughs> of the night. Cause I agree the, the lore of everything that happens in mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the, the 30 years at this point between when these episodes aired and when they were supposed to take place, that is now only 10 years away. Oh, at least we're still younger than Aramaki, guys. At least we're still younger than Aramaki. We're probably about Bato's age, if I had to guess. You'll guess what uh, episode 19 has in it. What does episode 19 have in it? A pair of scissors running through it. Okay. <laughs> so let's get to episode 19. So so I will I will say... The reason that episode 19 to me lands better than 18 is because it is truly standalone in what it's doing and not tied to anything else that happens. So episode 19, a, our, our final standalone episode of the season. (gasps) Amazing. Wow. Embraced by a disguised net captivated. So, uh, there is a former prime minister uh, named Kanzaki uh, whose daughter has been abducted, and Section 9 is called in to investigate her disappearance. The prime suspect in the case is a, a an individual or group called Blindfold Ivan, which is a pseudonym for the, quote, Northern Territories, which I'm sure they're only mentioning because 
the Russo-Soviet alliance or the Russo-American alliance or whatever it is exists as a nation now. Uh, Russian mafia. It's the Russian mafia that they're going against. Um, and the the uh, the blindfold Ivan group ha- basically abducts people. They kill them and chop them up. Their organs go to one place and their cybernetic parts go to another place. The difference is that... Uh, Prime Minister Konzaki refused to ever acknowledge that this group ever existed and that any of these abductions happened. And yet here we are with his own daughter abducted by that group. So I feel like this episode starts out super compelling when you see the girl just flat out disappear. Like the, the, the kidnappings are interesting. They're mysterious. The pacing starts off very deliberate and it unfolds to the viewer in a pretty satisfying way while simultaneously uh, giving you the information and opening up the world of that case. about, I think the way the case is presented is one of the best jobs they've done opening up a case. I think it's pretty flawless in that respect. Um, this is actually what caused me to really go into the idea that we should have some other multi-episode arcs because I feel like this specific episode really needed to be multiple parts with a lot of zigs and zags. And instead it was very, very cut and cut and dry. You know that you've run out of time to do something when your protagonists find your villains by just stumbling, just walking, just walking to them. I literally, I literally wrote, (laughs) I literally wrote my gut instinct was to be annoyed that Bato and Togusa just stumbled upon the kidnappers dealing with a Yakuza henchman. But they sort of safety net themselves with Bato talking about how sometimes the obvious places just work out. And I know, right? while that but is like, while that is lazy as heck. Oh yeah. I I I chuckled because it's a Bato moment and Bato is the golden child to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at least at least have a Togusa looks in the mirror moment. At least give me that, right? We <laughs> We haven't had that in a few episodes. I feel like we're don't, we're, we're don't worry. The next like four episodes are very Togusa focused, and that's why. Yeah. Uh, give me some mere moments, baby. <laughs> um, but but I also again I feel like that scene would not have happened if this was a multi episode arc. And I think if you're gonna have a multi episode arc, these boogeyman kidnappers is a great way to do it. People are disappearing out of thin air, and you can't even track it on the cameras. It's freaking awesome and again and again you have this a is, cool looking bad guy this is one of those things where i like a lot of what this episode does had it happened earlier in the season i might feel yes. differently about it because it's it's like i know what's coming i know that the last seven episodes that we're going to focus on are all about the laughing man case and that's all i'm caring about i just want to get back to the laughing man case and this episode is a stumbling block right in front of that idea well and again i'm going to sound like a broken record i think if you had some other arcs going on you would not have that kind of arrested development of okay, we gotta get back to the Laughing Man. We haven't we haven't seen the, the Laughing Man in seven episodes. We got we gotta get back to that. And, again, and I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong about this episode. I find this episode to be enjoyable. I I, I find this episode I, I find it to be a little problematic in the way that like I love that it focuses from the perspective of Kanzaki's daughter and not of Kanzaki. But yes, yes. but they make a whole big deal about Kanzaki and his his opinion of what happened in the past about this case 
and they mm-hmm. ma- they put it a little too heavily on his take on things. I don't know. There was something weird. I, no, no, no. It. I know what you're talking about, Drew. I, like, I, and like I, nothing, I nothing happens until Kanzuki says, well, maybe I was wrong about that publicly on television, and then everything happens, and they find the guys immediately. That, I, that bothered I, me I, a I little agree. too much. I also feel like the end when you find out the woman who's kind of leading these kind of kidnappings, even though she's, she's got bosses. Um, it's a little slapsticky. Yeah, the, the way she's, it, I do not like a, how they handled her. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a little cartoony. And <laughs> although I do love the moment when, uh, Togusa tries to grab her and you just hear Batio dumbass get rid of the arm throw it away because she ran <laughs> off and he's still holding her arm which has a bomb attached to it like she's wily coyote I, I, there, there's some there's some cartoony stuff but i think the the premise and the basic execution of how this case was launched is perfect for a multi-episode arc also, again, Bato takes the flat, takes the full-on blast of a bomb. Totally fine. Well, he's, he's cybernetic. Not he's cybernetic, yeah. and Togus is not. Right, which is why Makes he protects. The only reason Togus even survives is because Bato shields him. But, oh, I mean, that's the theme of the show. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, come on, show me some cybernetic damage. Like, he comes oh, out of I, it looking like he just got out of the shower. He's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's perfect. So, so this is this is one thing that I do enjoy about this episode, and I will comment is that they make a, they make a point to point out that this uh, Russian cyborg is that's a, a cybernetic body, and that she's way older than she appears. And way more experienced yeah. than she appears, right? And that's something that we don't really think about. In that, we think about all of the people that we've met, like Togusa's X age and Bato is Y age, and all of this. How old's the major? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. She looks to be a particular age, but yeah, but any, she's anybody fully, who's fully cybernetic. She's fully cybernetic. Yeah. It doesn't matter. She could it be. It really doesn't matter. She could be sixty years old. Uh, Bato being very ageist in this episode. <laughs> yes, really, really um, calling, really calling her out. Uh, it's like, listen, I'm trying to leave my best life, and you keep telling everybody that I'm a grandma. Really, <laughs> don't appreciate it. I, but going back, uh, circling back around, is that uh, what I agree that I think having the whole like blind Ivan pseudonym really gave this whole episode an air of, mis- of mystery. And yeah. then when we finally see the people who are doing everything Bad boy dorks. are they dumb yeah. boy are they incompetent it's a boy, keystone are they cops useless. nonsense it's thing. so disappointing which is why this episode gets cut this episode gets cut purely because of my disappointment in the in the the two people who are really running blind ivan i just don't believe it i don't right. believe it at all that these people couldn't get caught like yeah, no, I, literally, I agree. Literally, this woman almost gets murdered by, by Togusa and Bato, and then she's going around trying to call buyers, and one of the buyers has to be like, dude, have you looked at the news? Like, yeah, you're kind of all over again, it. This is where it, where it kind of poops the bed for me, because if 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 this was stretched out and it had a decent arc where they could flesh out the characters and make them more threatening and realistic, I again... 
this would have been awesome because I love Blind Ivan is a cool name. The the mystery of those cases are awesome. When you see them just disappear, like, oh, this is creepy and this could happen to anyone. And it's almost like urban legend status. Like, like it's almost like living creepypasta. And I mm. love that. Everything right. about this case until we meet the actual perpetrators is mm. great. Also, here's the deal. If you designed your cybernetic body to have a bomb in your arm, you've got spare arms. Don't tell me you don't <laughs> got spare arms. You have spare arms. It's it's a it's what it's one of your attacks. You're, you're gonna Tyler, Tyler. What's up? You can't hug your children with spare arms. What? D- have you not heard that old uh anti-nuclear statement you can't hug li- hug your children with nuclear arms okay moving on um okay uh that was i thought was gonna be a funny joke and i'm sure at least two people in our audience laughed at that you uh, know what two people laugh it's worth it if only one person laughed listeners if only one of you laughed well tell drew it wasn't everybody it. who left that joke you need to email me because <laughs> i need to know <laughs> oh boy uh, but yeah, she fails. She gets, uh, you know, our, our, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cruz, Cruz It was super Russian and I can't yeah. pronounce it. Cruz She essentially calls her, her leader asking for asylum and, and literally the embassy gates close on her. She could, it's, you know, it's a cartoon. It, it's such a cartoon. It's like, yeah. it, it's so ridiculous because, like, not only do I believe that she could have, the only reason she couldn't make it through the gates is because she was literally dragging the ambassador <laughs> or the prime minister, former prime minister's uh, daughter behind her. And, and she and tripped lu- and fell. And luckily, they free all of the people that got kidnapped at the end. Yeah. So yeah. none of the people we see get, get chopped up. Section Some of them just got left on the side of the road because they just got kind of popped off the truck. <laughs> What? Like I they know. were like a loose chicken. Close the doors. Did the doors close as she was driving away? Did they like auto close? No, they didn't <sighs> auto close. Like because I because I keep thinking I was like, wait, if the doors are open, why didn't everyone just jump out? I would rather jump well, out I think of a some of them were like sedated. Well, they, and the most of them sure. had those things on their necks that were yeah, but three something. of them, three of them fell out. <sighs> Look, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> This episode, this episode is fine. The only reason this episode sticks around for me is because it's wholly isolated and is not related to anything else that happens, Um, which is where we need to stop our episode tonight because we have wrapped up these final standalone episodes for this season. So our next episode, we're going to cover episode 20. No, excuse me. Episode, uh, you know, 20. Sorry. Yeah. Episode 20 through 26, the final seven episodes of season one of Standalone Complex, which are all complex episodes. We are going to get back to back to back story bits. And if you all and if you all listeners, if you think that Tyler doesn't have the hojone to cut a laughing man episode. I'll cut it. <laughs> I am interested to see if these episodes are, if any of them are bad enough for you to actually cut. I wonder. We'll you, make it like there's, you make it, you make it sound like there's going to be bad episodes. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen this, but, <laughs> and also I don't know what Tyler's going to cut. Cause he hated episode three and I like episode three. So, <laughs> 
That's true. But um, I'm, I'm, I am very much excited to get to the Laughing Man stuff. I feel like it's been a little bit too long. I think seven straight standalone episodes uh, without any real interlocking. I know there was some, some connective tissue, but I, I feel like that was a little too much. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of this play out. And then, and then, really deep diving into what is included in the Laughing Man OVA, which is kind of like almost like the movie version of of this, and see how how much that syncs up with the the tie tie cut. I have a sneaky suspicion because the Laughing Man OVA is only like three hours long. Three hours long that it ain't gonna have everything, man. Which is probably fine with Tyler. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I but uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I. It also has a three different hours. dumb cast, which is going to throw me off. Yeah, I mean, three hours is... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I am a little sad by that because I do like having all these these standalone episodes to help flesh out things. And I think when they do their job, they're they're so fun to watch. They're um, they're an absolute joy. I've, I've enjoyed just about all of them with, very, with just very rare exceptions. And uh, so I think having that all eliminated will be sad in a way, but you know, I'm still excited to see what comes out of it. Um, I just realized that I mentioned that the uh, Chinese communist assassin was named cash. Eye. not the, the case totally forgot what that assassin's name is, but cash. Eye is a thing that happens in the second season of standalone complex. So (laughs) going to go ahead and avoid those emails. uh, Yeah. I I need to start writing down the names of the assassins. Apparently, because I, Apparently, I just keep calling him an assassin. I have a sneaking uh, suspicion that that uh, in these next few episodes, we're all going to be taking a lot closer notes. Well, they're complex episodes. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, so that is going to end our episode here uh, as we have are entering the end game on Ghost of the Shell standalone complex Ooh. season one. Of course, you can find us at the more you nerd on Twitter, the facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And of course, also email us. I know y'all are, are whole up in, in your houses and your apartments and your places of residence, your domiciles. And you want to reach out to us. The more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more, the more you nerd at gmail.com. Tyler, of course we can hear you. On the Cosmic Crit podcast. I am there. You can also find me and Ty Ty and our old buddy Mike uh, on Thursdays and sometimes on Saturdays playing Final Fantasy VII, the 1997 hit game that you guys might have heard of as we play through a spoiler-free brand new run that Tyler has never played before as we get into the yeah. f- things that's at twitch.tv slash cosmic crit Thursday- yeah, drop by and let's talk about the tie tie cut hey maybe we'll do a tie tie cut for Final Fantasy 7 yeah yeah uh, Town gets cut <laughs> I kid I kid that's where we get the Nibelheim flashback anyway uh, that is Thursday nights, nine ish on Eastern time, six ish Pacific time uh, on twitch.tv slash cosmic crit. In the meantime, gentlemen, I am so sorry, everybody that I was so nasally and snotty tonight. I know it probably doesn't sound any different to anybody that's listening, but it sounds a lot different to me nope. in my head, <laughs> meaning I probably sound nasally and snotty all the time, which I should probably consult a physician about. But 
We will end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd. <laughs> <laughs>